Alright, what's up everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Sports Inventory with your host Ben Kuchipudi and my co-host. Favorite uncle, Tyler Graham. So, we're going to dive right into it. Topic of the day and probably the biggest topic in sports right now. The NBA season has officially come to the close. The Golden State Warriors are your 2022 NBA champions. And I have to say, I think this is probably their most meaningful one. You could saw, you saw the emotion in Steph Curry's face as the buzzer sounded. And I just didn't see that emotion from him in any of the other three titles. You can just see how big this one was to him. What are your thoughts on this, Tyler? This, this was the biggest title for all... You know, tenured players involved: Steve, Dre, Clay, and our Chef Boyardee Curry. It was just um, you know, it meant a lot coming off like that fifteen or whatever season where everybody was injured. They were getting lottery picks. That was Wiseman. Um, as a Warriors fan, watching that game, I felt every ounce of emotion that they did. It, just seeing them back on top without any politics involved, you know, oh, oh, they'd never win without KD, oh, they would have never beat the Cavs back in 2015 because, you know, K-Love and Kyrie got injured. But what's your excuse now? They don't have any. They worked hard. They remained healthy. They played good basketball. They made great decisions. Their defense suffocated the Celtics to make terrible, terrible turnovers throughout. Made Jason Tatum look like a Walmart version of him, you know, his self that we knew in Duke. Oh, yeah, we're going to get really, we're going to get into Jason Tatum. A lot later just, in this. I'm so happy for Steph getting that finals MVP, acquiring that fourth title, and honestly, you know, just looking like him, his old self. And in the words of Clay Thompson, holy cannoli, like what an experience that was. And the one in Boston, like, oh my gosh, ESPN, the fact that they had him winning 10% at the beginning of the finals and just proceeding to win in six games. It's crazy. Remarkable. Yeah, the ESPN the metrics on this series were, it's it was so lopsided in favor of the Celtics. Even disrespectful, like, Ben. Even entering game five back at the Bay, I'm pretty sure the odds of the Celtics winning were still 88%, which blew my mind. Disrespectful. Disrespectful. How are you counting out? guys that have over 130 games of finals experience are healthy mind you and are all playing good basketball how are you counting those guys out you can never you can never count steph curry what say it again Ben. you can never count out steph curry and the gang yeah i just don't understand how i don't know if even espn watched those games because sure the celtics on paper might line up better and you know look better but they just weren't playing better like the only game that they really showed out was, what was it, Game 3, right? Yeah, Game 3 for the whole game. Not even for the whole game. The third quarter, they blew that lead. Like, they never exactly. really felt in control of any game. Like, the it Warriors, when the, the Warriors like, won, um, and games, um, and the games, um, what, Game 2, I think Game 4. Actually, all the games they won, they seemed like they were in control for the whole game. Listen, Every game the Warriors played besides three, they were they were winning. At game one, they self-destructed in the fourth. They disrespected Derek White and Al Horford to make them look like absolute Hall of Famers. And it showed later in the series that they weren't those players. It's just the way it was. You know, you give them open shots, they're going bound to make more than you know one of them. Game two, Warriors dominated. Game three, Celtics came out. Game four, five, six, all Warriors. I don't know how ESPN disrespected the Bay 
Golden State Dub Nation. We How believe. do they do that? The Warriors just play good basketball. The Celtics made some of the dumbest decisions I've ever made in my entire life. It's just, oh my goodness. That last game was, uh, yeah, I was, I was watching, watch that whole game from start to finish. It was, it was a mess. Outside of uh, Jalen Brown, he played a spectacular game. And shout out to Jalen yeah. Brown. This whole series, except for Game Five, he was unbelievable for Boston. He Clearly, the it. best player. Like everybody on the Warriors roster wanted it. Like Al Horford, I'm assuming. Like I, I would, I would only assume that he really wanted it. He didn't show up sometimes. And he, he did show up in the second half of Game Six. I'll say that. I think he had twenty yeah. points in that yeah, final game. Six, game. He had nineteen and fourteen. He had six for eight shooting, four for five from three. But they were all open shots. Nothing yeah. crazy. They were too focused on the Tatums and the Browns and even smarts and possessions. But get this, Tatum had two points in the second half of that game. Six I game. saw, yeah, he just had a little dunk at the, in the third or fourth quarter. He played 40 minutes, went 6 for 18, made one three-pointer, had 13 points, three steals, seven assists, and five turnovers. He had almost the amount of turnovers as assists. And he just, oh my. I'm just but curious. Can, um, pull up, can you pull up his uh, plus minus for that game? Plus minus was minus three. Honestly, not as bad as I thought, but just come up, Jason Tatum, you were so good this whole postseason. You've The main thing with you, he's always been able to come, he was always able to bounce back after a tough shooting game, and he just had, he just didn't do that this series. Well, he better find a way to bounce back from a terrible finals because entire finals was littered with bad decisions, bad passes, terrible shooting droughts, and terrible decisions throughout. And this series, I don't know if we're getting ahead of ourselves, Benjamin, my boy, but this is Jalen Brown's team, and Tatum is going to play second fiddle to his Michael to Scotty. You, you feel me? Honestly, I I thought that in the beginning. After the Celtics season opener against the Knicks, Jalen Brown dropped 46 points. And Jason Tatum played solid in that second half of that game, but he was shooting the ball terribly. And I remember saying, I was watching the game with a number of Celtics fans in Massachusetts, and I said to them, Jalen Brown is the best player on your team. Jason Tatum is not is not the number one guy. And they all disagree with me. But after this series, I think they should change their opinion on that. Because Jalen Brown, he just shows the hunger that I feel like Tatum doesn't. Also an underrated thing is Brown also plays defense. I've seen Tatum just wobble him because, you know, his butt back onto the defensive side, you know, shift laterally here and there and just let points happen. Wiggins is his daddy. Shout out to Andrew Wiggins, Maple Jordan. Wiggins showed out and made Tatum look very human because I've seen Tatum all out sometimes. You I've seen Tatum ball out in many games. Like that. Yeah, I've seen Tatum have so much potential, and being six nine, having a jump shot, very fluid. I can't see you being or not showing up to this degree. I don't know what happened to him. I don't know if the lights were too bright. I don't know if he had people breathing down his neck or his role. He just wasn't ready for it. I don't know if he was just trying to live it up to Kobe, but that's a whole different narrative. Yes, and I just know that when we think of Boston, we got to think of number seven with the beard. That's the guy. That Jalen Jalen Brown. That the Celtics are Jalen Brown's team, and the finals proved it. Yeah, Jason Tatum. That whole Kobe talk in the before the series, and even yeah, and uh, I think 
I think in the Easter Conference Finals, that's when the whole uh, when he started doing all um, the things that Kobe did. Texted him for Game Seven, and he did show up in that Game Seven against Miami. But in the finals, he did not show up. And as we saw, Twitter and the rest of social media had a field day after Game Six. Oh, an absolute kindergarten field day filled with blimps, bouncy castles, and, and good roller skates, baby. Think about this for a second. I don't care what you do to get your head in the mind game. Like, we had this discussion about Draymond's podcast, right? Yes. If that's the thing he deems, you know, as a sanctuary, as his puts a pep in his step to figure out his game, and it works, I'm fine. I don't care if you eat three Wendy's Baconators and one Coke before every game to perform well. Whatever routine works for you, works for you. But if it doesn't, you have to prioritize game and what helps you get in the mind frame if he was too focused on texting Kobe and wearing his armbands he has to get his priority straight you know he does like that's the thing and I just think the lights were so bright for him obviously I don't know his circumstances I don't know his home life I don't know what goes on obviously I heard he spent a lot of time with his son before and after games which you know for a lot of players they would obviously dedicate to the team and stuff like that but this is just sad it was just so sad. Yeah, and, and I talked to a lot of Boston fans too, and they were extremely disappointed because they felt like they had like a guy they can see like a twenty-year career with their son. He's gonna be you know looked and looked at in like green for the longest time. They let he let the fans down. He did every single one of them. He didn't even he didn't he just them. yeah not just his team just the city of Boston. Like this was town. this was a dud of epic proportions. Yeah, and um, I was watching first take, and I interrupted all those. And I believe it was Stephen A. Smith who made a extremely, extremely beautiful point. How when you think of Boston, you think of Bill Russell, Paul Pierce, Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish, Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen. You think of legendary title runs, winning, winning mentality. Boston as a whole, you think of winning in other sports. Tom Brady. You know, you got the Red Sox. This guy let a sports town down. It's crazy to think of that happened that way. The most successful sports town in America. Debatably, of course. And he let them down. And yeah, I feel like we're I feel like we're not giving enough credit to what Andrew Wiggins did for on defense. For, on Jason oh, Tatum. I think the media as a whole though is catching up and figuring it out because I'm hearing a lot of talk that, you know, he was you know, he was poppy clamps, you know, he brought Jason Tatum to Alcatraz, you know, showing the Shawshank treatment. But like he was phenomenal on defense. And I think around game three or four, Steve Kerr got in his uh his booty a little bit and he was like, Listen, I need you on the rebounding a little bit because that's the part they're not talking about. His rebounding He had he career had highs in multiple of the games like 17 and 5 and that was a huge part of the Warriors winning those games because he's athletic yeah so you can get up something re- uh, you know, can get up get and up the, there get those rebounds yeah and the Celtics undersized team but and Wiggins was able to use his athleticism and his jumping ability to snag rebounds and just give the Warriors second opportunities when Kevin Moving wasn't on the court Exactly, exactly. And it really showed because the thing they lacked was rebounding when Looney wasn't on. And if I have a 42-inch vertical, I'm getting up there, you know? And that's the thing. And some of the Celtics, there was windows of time where they just looked like fatigued out of it. 
And when Robert Williams was in the game, they're rebounding lack too. So as long as Wiggins was not, was on the floor, which was for you know average forty two minutes the series per game, he was on the floor. You had a rebounding threat, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Doku made a, a beautiful point in Game Four, but the Celtics never caught on. It's the physicality that needs to be here to take down the Warriors. You have guys like Wiggins, Payton, Looney. Uh, Draymond, who gets physical and gets in there, and that's why they make plays. That's why they make plays. The Warriors, watching this, shows how beautiful the game of basketball is. It's just, it was remarkable to watch, and I'm so happy for Golden State right now. I hope they do all their crazy stuff, and I want to see them here next year because they could fully be, you know, be I think they can to find that five. Honestly. This is like we made this point on the previous on the pilot episode of the podcast, and we were talking about how the Warriors should trade for someone like Rudy Gobert, and how Andrew Wiggins would likely be the main trade piece in that trade. But after this series, I don't think I don't think they want to trade him anymore. I don't think they becomes an untouchable. Becomes an untouchable, just like Dre, Clay, and Steph. He is fundamental. He's playing that Harrison Barnes role, but he can shoot better. He He's doing better. It's more be than the Harrison Barnes role. He is taking that to another level. Yeah. So I think though we're gonna celebrate this victory. All of Golden State fans, all Dub Nation fans, we're gonna celebrate this. We have to keep our fingers crossed for this free agency because remember, we're losing Looney. Losing yeah, Looney's gonna get paid somewhere. We're, we're losing Otto Porter, who had a pretty decent. He had a he had a solid series. Shots. He start he, didn't he start the last few games or at least game six? I think he started. Did a couple of things. I don't know if he started, but he had, he had some big shots throughout the series. Played some great defense on the Tatum's and Browns. All of those guys are unrestricted free agents. And the Warriors, and as we just, know, paying big money to Wiggins, Steph. Clay, Dre. It wasn't even paying big money to Wiggins. It was taking on his Tim Rolls max contract because obviously Wiggins worked out for the Warriors, but taking that Tim Rolls contract, that's, that you're going to buckle under your upkeep. That's a hefty, hefty contract it is. Minnesota offer him. And it's so, tough to like keep your depth with that, but the good thing is for Golden State, they have two rookies with, well, I guess, I guess now technically sophomores, but... They have two great young pieces who haven't got a lot of playing time in the postseason and Jonathan Kaminga and Moses three. Moody. Hopefully one of them stays healthy. I'm going to start to interrupt, Ben. Moody, Kaminga, and Wiseman. We I forgot Moody. about Wiseman. Yeah. So that's the thing. You have three young guys, uh, Kaminga being this in- sensational talent. You know, everybody had high hopes for him coming out of Ignite, the G League affiliation. And Moses Moody, who's just phenomenal. He can just shoot. He can score the basketball. And when Wiseman is healthy, he was drafted in the top three, right? He was drafted second overall. I mean, Wiseman he didn't play he didn't play a game in college, but I remember he was like he was the best recruited coming out of that twenty twenty class. And he has like if I made my my player in two K, he's he's what he's he's what I want him to look like. Seven one has a seven something wingspan. He can move laterally. He can stretch the floor a little bit. He could finish and he can rebound. That's honestly all the things the Warriors want. That five. There's one question that remains: Can he stay healthy? That's it. And I hope he does because if. If they don't, they might not even need a trade for Gobert or someone like that. If Wiseman can develop the way that they hoped he did when they were drafted second, when he was drafted second overall. And the thing about Golden State's environment, a 
they you know they preach winning. It's a very healthy environment for any player at any position to grow. Think about this for a second, Ben. If I'm a point guard on the Warriors, let's say I'm Jordan Poole or Damon Lee or Moses Moody, I have a guy in the gym that I could just watch play the game that is going to end his career as the best point guard of all time. I can just watch him play. I'm learning so much. I'm a shooting guard, small forward, power forward, the forward wings. I have a Hall of Fame shooter in Klay Thompson playing two-way defense, and I can just mo- you know monitor his game and take things from it. I have a generational talent. I'm going to say this. Generational talent in Draymond Green. One of the best one defenders of the ever. Players, one of the smartest players ever. Is, and I can just conversate with him and talk with him and learn about basketball. This is an environment where a lot of players, no matter who you are and what background, are going to become just a better player. It's a beautiful environment. Porter, right? Yep. Otto Porter bounced around the league. The Wizards, the here and there, and we thought he was just some some role player, right? Mm-hmm. Comes to Golden State, and look at the man he's become. Efficient scorer, a great defender, and a great decision maker. Even Andrew Wiggins. In Washington. Even Andrew Wiggins in Minnesota. I mean, he had some great scoring seasons in Minnesota. I think he averaged 24 a game as his best season as a Timberwolf, yeah. but he's become more efficient coming to Golden State, and his defense as a whole has improved. And he's just become a better player. If I'm a player, I would love to be coached by Steve Kerr and talk with Bob Myers and shake hands with Mr. LaCobb. It's just a beautiful situation. That's why this free agent might be interesting because they might pick up somebody in free agency that we're like, oh, he's a has-been. He's a role player. His potential, you know, we've reached it. But the Warriors thrive off of getting those guys because they can make them into very quality role players. Warriors can coach him up and just teach him. Like, let, argument's sake, let's just think of a, a situation. Golden State needs size, you know, wise, whatever, and they, like, pick up the free agent, I don't know, Julio Okafor. Yeah. We knew Julio Okafor, you know, you know, dominating guys in college at Duke against Wisconsin, coming into the league, you know, highly regarded, drafted by the Sixers. It never panned out. That was a similar situation Wiggins was in. Very similar. And I can see Okafor or a player that was you know, highly regarded and then everybody forgot about him coming to the Warriors, being coached up by a phenomenal organization, just becoming guy that we wanted him to be, or at least better than he was before. Now, here's the tough part. Losing Kenny Atkinson to Charlotte. Nope. Mike actually, actually, he's not going to Charlotte anymore. He's staying with the Warriors. Excuse me? Wait, 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 wait. Whoa. He just pulled a he just pulled a quick one. He just pulled a well. He just I can't even, I can't even think of comparison right now. But oh gosh, today, this was two hours ago. Yeah, just a few hours ago. It just um, Kenny Atkinson said he's staying with the Warriors. I mean, I don't blame him. Did they, they just want to chip and he's the lead assistant? And I I feel so bad for Charlotte. Kenny Atkinson would have been a great coach for them, but this is I a mean, huge win yeah, for the Warriors. It's tough. Um, Charlotte's gonna still, you know, search for that head coach, but they have a lot of options and stuff like that. But still, Mike Brown, I feel like that's a big loss to the coaching staff because he's been there since inception. So, he's been there with Kerr, just doing his thing. And uh, good luck in Sacramento because that's a tough gig, and the average, you know, coaching span over there since whatever is like maybe two to three years. Mm-hmm. Shout to Luke Walton, you know. But it's tough. But Warriors are franchise that no matter what kind of walk of life I am, whether I'm a dominant all-star or a barely G-leaguer, I can come here and be somebody. 
Yes. Gary Payton Jr. Gary Payton Jr. jumped around so many He was on 10 different NBA slash uh, G League teams before coming to the Warriors. 10. That's that's insane. And he's become... He didn't get no love on any of those teams, except for when he set foot into San Francisco, the Bay Area. And he's become a very solid and a very important role player for the championship team. I mean, I'd say he's the energy guy. He's clamps on defense. He can he can jump out the gym, and he's not the oh biggest guy on the court. Flubber bed with Robin Williams, where he has like the little flubber things oh, on yeah. the bottom, and they jump real high. Mm-hmm. Gary Payton got those with his kicks. Mm-hmm. Like I say, he can't. Um, his pops couldn't jump like him. That's all I can say. That's factual. Pops cannot jump like him. I don't know where he got maybe the milkman or something. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, Mrs. Payne. I don't know what you're doing behind the scenes, but I don't know. Whatever he's having, I want. Bottom line is this: Warriors. I don't think there's anybody in the league that the Warriors can take on and not automatically have their game improve. You ever see someone come to the Golden State and regress? Might see their numbers shift a little bit, but their efficiency, every single one of them rises. If Sean Livingston. Sean, I was about to bring up Sean Livingston, actually. Sean Livingston, one of my low key favorite players. You know, I loved his game at Golden State with the mid range. I've never seen that guy miss a mid range in my entire life. He's automatic, and this is and Sean Livingston. It's a great story. He was he was great as a rookie on the Clippers back, I think, fifteen years ago, and then. He had a knee, uh, leg injury. injury, almost split his leg in half, and, and he's bounced around the league. Most grotesque I've seen on television. And he bounced around the league for years, and then he found a home in Golden State, and he was the backup point guard on three championship teams. I think was he on the he was on the 2018 team, am I right? Yeah, he was on. Yeah, I remember him in the Adidas jersey, and then two Nike jerseys. Yeah, he was all he was there for all three. Yep, all four besides 2016. Yep. Yeah, it's it's those guys. You can find guys that have been bouncing around, call them has-beens, and Golden State can find something for them. It's just Golden State, it's, it's, it's a beautiful team to join. Like, if I'm any free agent this season, I would love to go to Golden State and figure it out. Oh, yeah. You know, you can take on a bunch of role players, the Zazas, the Bogits, the uh, Leandro Barbosas. Those guys all came to Golden State, Kerr and Staff, made it like a home made basketball such a welcoming just a welcoming environment just the best minds in basketball mm-hmm. and Kerr now you know having nine rings is insane and Curry finally capturing the coveted finals MVP he's been seeking since you know the 2015 win full honesty bro I could see them being here back next year whether they win oh, or lose a hundred percent I can we I mean the west good. is the west is obviously so competitive you know you know the the Memphis Grizzlies are a young team they talk a lot of smack but they obviously lost to the Warriors we saw we saw what Clay said about Jaron Jackson in the mm, game six post cut and we know they're gonna be they're gonna be back in the playoffs they're gonna get healthy they're gonna get better they're improving John Morant's gonna take I think another step getting into the MVP conversation, but in the end, like any team that the, any team that wants to come out of the West, they're going to have to go through Steph, Clay, and Dre. The thing about it is you mentioned Memphis, you mentioned, you know, maybe let's mention Dallas and Denver. All those are great 
know, squads. I don't see them being great teams. I see a lot of those teams having chemistry issues and, you know, basically intramarital issues and bad decisions. When it comes to just knowledge of the game, IQ and experience. And, he, and also humility. Now. Another thing with um, these young stars that and teams have success, you got to be humble. I agree. I agree. Egos you know, kill teams. We saw I that with Shaq and Kobe. Golden State, they have so much experience, so much unselfishness. No matter who you're going to run up against, if you run up against Golden State, they're going to. It's a chess game. They make they make the most beautiful decisions. You watch their game; it's just good decision after good decision. It's just like all those squads in the West. I don't see any team assembled now that they could potentially run into outsmart the Warriors. You might jump higher than them. You might, you know, run a little faster than them, but they are just so smart. They've been exposed to so many different squads, athletic squads, grit and grind squads, shooting squads, finishing squads, highly defensive squads. They've seen it all. You know, and next year's they're gonna be no different. They're gonna run into squads they they know how to beat. You know? Mm -hmm. And the West has to do something. You know, because I don't see Denver beating them. I don't nope. see Memphis beating them. I don't see you Dallas. know I don't Dallas see... beating them unless they acquire a big man of some sort. I don't see the Lakers beating them because they're going to self destruct yet again. We're, and and the, Clippers the Clippers are still a question mark because we have to see. I trust, I trust Kawhi Leonard coming back healthy and strong, but we have to see what the rest of the team looks like. Yeah, that's the thing, you know. And and the then Warriors, Phoenix, I mean, obviously. The Warriors in Boston, and maybe like one other team that's you know is not coming to my mind, are the only teams with a capital T I see in the NBA. Everything else are just squads with two stars, one stars, and the rest of guys you know, who don't have. Yeah, I think um I think the Warriors Celtics. I, I could I think Milwaukee is also going to be a team. Milwaukee, yes, that was the third team. Thank you. Yeah, that's another team. I think. Yeah, and this is moving on to the Eastern Conference and the Celtics, like. And what the Celtics have done this season is nothing short of miraculous. They were the 11th seed in the East, I think, in January. And then they just turned it around. With, they were literally the best team in the NBA in the regular season from January to April. Just, it's it, it's going to be... I think it's a tougher path for Boston to get back here. Than because the East, the East is getting better. We're still gonna see Giannis and Middleton's gonna be back healthy, and I and I think the Bucks are gonna be playing this. I think the Bucks are gonna be back in the finals next year. That's just my opinion. And uh, obviously, you got teams like Miami and Philly. That's the thing. Like, like I just said, like I think Golden State has an easier path to get right back here than Boston does, because for me personally, if Chris Middleton didn't go down, I don't think Boston's here. If Chris Miller no. didn't go down, I think the Bucks would have won in six. Yeah, if Brooklyn had Kyrie every day instead of half the year and maybe a couple other free agent pickups or whatever, I don't think that Boston's here. Miami had just another star, or the current guys they have have more of a scoring mentality, they wouldn't be here. You know? um, I mean, you could argue the same thing for Golden State, but I just think Golden State being back here next year – is no, it's plain and simple. It's very likely, but Boston like is gonna have a way tougher time getting back here because they had a couple of fluke games that you know got them in good positioning too. Yeah, 
Yeah, we're going to have to see what happens with Boston. I still think Boston, what they need to do this offseason, obviously you got to get some more shooters. That's what we discussed on the, for, yeah. on the previous episode. Well, but the Aaron Naismiths or acquire like a Joe Harris-type character, whether that may be. But also, I don't care if you acquire good shooting. You have to just have intangibles. You have to have good decisions. Because let's say you I was going to say you got to acquire a true situation. point guard either a true point guard or, you know, create a, you know, or it doesn't even matter a point guard, just a good decision maker because the Celtics still make terrible decisions. Yeah, we saw no? Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. We've They had so many turnovers in the postseason. We saw Jason Tatum, the first player ever to have 100 turnovers in a single playoff. So they have to get someone who can handle the ball and make the correct decisions on offense. I think he needs to meet with the front office and coach and talk – decision making he needs to study film study film study film because you're a generational talent uh there's no doubt that you're talented but out without intelligence is nothing you can jump the highs shoot the best and defend like nobody else but if i can't think on my feet in a game situation especially in the finals i'm no good as anybody else yeah yeah i mean yeah boston Boston, I mean, I would love... It would be cool to see them back here next year because they're still young. Jason Tatum should get better. Jalen Brown's going to get better. They got a number of young guys in the team. Marcus Smart's still in the prime of his career. Robert Williams is only going to get better. But, yeah, Boston is going to have a very tough time getting back to the finals, especially especially if the Nets or the Sixers don't have, like, any of this drama. And drama is pretty relative to those two teams. But especially with Brooklyn, we got to see... What happens with Kyrie? We gotta see if they can add talent around Kevin Durant and Irving, and we have to see if it's they'll... also placement too. Because let's say Brooklyn's gonna have Kyrie, I would assume full time now, right? I would think so, so. So their seating is gonna be different. I can only assume because he, you know, adds winning to his team, right? So it's a matter of the path too, because running into a disgruntled Nets team in the first round. So obviously you would prefer that instead of running them into the conference maybe and they're fully healthy, fully loaded, and fully have their minds on winning something. You know? So obviously we don't, I can't predict the records of a majority of those teams, but I know that Boston is going to have to just play well to have a decent thing because you want the Sixers, the Nets, the Bucks to face each other before I face you. Yeah, you want to play someone like... Situation, you'll probably play like a second tier East team. Yeah. Yeah, like I wouldn't want the similar path to the finals next year if they're all healthy and there's no drama, you know? It's like it's like the same mentality like the NFL, right? Like what, what's the um, the conference been? It's not coming to my mind with the Broncos. Oh, uh, the AFC West. AFC West, right? So it's like all those teams are so good, and as a playoff team that's not in that conference or not in that side, obviously I want those guys to just like fight amongst themselves so I can get somebody. But then again, though. It speaks volumes about the team that makes it out top. You know, the man of the arena. If that guy beat all those teams, I should be scared. Yeah, then they're true top dogs. Yeah, but I rather if I'm Boston, I gotta make it the easiest path to the finals again because that East. I love the I love the narrative that the East was weak for so many years, but now it's tough now. Man. The East is getting better. There's a lot of a lot of upcoming teams too. It's not just like teams like Philly and Miami, Boston, Milwaukee, Brooklyn. You're you have young and up and coming teams. The Hawks. You got Trey Young there. They're probably going to look to add a star on him. Um, the Hornets are an extremely fun team. LaMelo Ball, Miles Bridges. 
Um, who else? Who else do you got? Uh, the Bulls. We gotta see what happens there. We gotta see what moves they make. But they're they're a team that has potential. I just think the East, that, that narrative that it was weak is is in the waste bin, baby. You know, we hit it with the incinerator. That Eastern Conference, debatably, is better than the Western Conference. I think... If everything's healthy and lines I up. I think they are. I think, um... Well, actually, I'm going to say this. When comparing the East and West, I think the East is deeper. But I think the West has um just better more top heavy... Power, yeah, maybe? more star power. Honestly? Beautiful take there, Ben. Beautiful take. I do agree. The squads assembled in the East have a lot more to it on paper, but the West are just filled with you know, Hollywood, baby. You know, you have your Stephs, you have your LeBrons, you have your Lucas, Showtime. So, yeah, no, I definitely agree. But it's going to be a really interesting season. Uh, also, I think this draft class is going to be incredibly strong. I think we're going to have a lot of plug-and-play players of these guys that are making immediate impact. Yeah, we're going to um, we're going to see some we're going to see some great talent out of this class and the draft is in it's really soon actually it's in um 23rd right 27th yeah it's in five days incredible incredible but um congratulations to the golden state i love you guys i want to see you guys there next year i want to see you have five rings i want to see a whole hand covered i want to get steve kerr to 10 it's awesome number shout out to phil jackson but you're gonna need a great free agency here because you're gonna lose a lot of guys heard their luxury tax and salary situation isn't the nicest i could i think they're 30th or whatever in cap space which you know is tough you're losing you might lose a guy like looney who will know what he did yeah looney will get, looney will get a bag somewhere else because he played he played very well in the postseason and i think he'll try to i think some team i think a team like sacramento or like a middling to bottom team that needs a big man or like maybe someone like san antonio will give looney a a nice chunk of change to start for them. And Looney's performance or anybody they're losing's performance on those teams will really show are they a good player or they were in a good franchise. And we've I've seen, seen that happen with many players in the past. Yeah, I've seen people, you know, leave and not be themselves from a franchise like Golden State and healthy winning, you know? Mm-hmm. Because it's a great organization. Just do it all right. No, and, and, it's, it, and this is a homegrown team, too. They didn't buy this team. This is all drafted or acquired with minimum vet contracts, and that's amazing. Yeah, the same. Yeah, the same with Boston too. You know, you be, yeah, Jason Tatum drafted, Jalen Brown drafted, Robert Williams drafted, Smart drafted. Yeah, and Everybody then you have drafted. um, you brought back Al Horford. I mean, he's making a chunk of change, but that's um he's from Philly. His home is Boston, like. We could talk about his Hawk days with Damari Carroll and Jeff Teague, but his home is Boston. Oh yeah, his heart, his heart is in the bean. And that's what's so beautiful about these two teams: just homegrown, no buying superstars. Just it's it's how it's how teams are meant to be built. Shows the recipe for success. Yeah. All about development. You know, you can add a star guy along the way, but you need a a nice concrete foundation you're not going to get anything that's why the nets are going to fail yeah they gave away all their young talent and acquired got katie and Kyrie's generational talents but no one else around them yeah and that team with d and jared allen and and paris on the bench with jared dudley 
it was a beautiful team. I was they rooting for that team to succeed as much as much as I hate my crosstown rivals. I was rooting for that team to succeed because that was literally that was from the ground up. No, all those picks were given to Boston and the KG and Paul Pierce trade, and it was just acquired through trades, late first round picks, and they managed to get themselves into the playoffs. And I wanted to see them grow, but nope. Simple, simple. But it's going to be a very interesting season next year. I'm saddened that I got to wait for more basketball now. Hey, we got, um, but we got the draft coming up. Free agency should be fun. Oh, it's going to be a blast. Trade season's going to be left. fun. Let's We're going to see what happens with guys like Bradley Beal, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm sad basketball's over, but the offseason, it's, it's just more basketball to look forward to, honestly. Of course, baby. Shout out to Jay Cole, the offseason. The offseason, baby. All right, we're gonna but, we're gonna end uh, we're gonna end episode two right here. Thank y'all for tuning in once again. I'm Ben, and your favorite uncle Tyler, baby. And signing off.